0: Are you ready to turn your crafting passion into a thriving business? Join me, Kimberly Smith, the paper chef, for a creative journey filled with success stories, expert insights, and the crafty inspiration you've been waiting for. This is Hello Crafty Friends. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Hello Crafty Friends podcast. Today I'm joined by my good friend, Christine Ray Bishop. Christine is the owner of crafty crops a retreat center for crafters. I can't wait to hear for you to hear about how she started this and made her vision become reality. She's been crafting for over 60 years. She's a silhouette die cutting expert and has many other skills such as she can share how what it's like to be a vendor at events and what it's like to, have stellar customer service so that your customers keep coming back for more. Welcome to my show, Christine. Hi, thanks. So, sixty years. What were you like as a little girl? Let's start there, and I want to know how you got into crafting.
1: Um, I started knitting. That was the first thing I did. I started knitting. And a neighbor lady taught me how to knit, and then um, by the time I got into sixth grade, I enjoyed knitting so much that when um, everybody was doing those. Crochet vest. My mom would not buy me a crochet hook, so I learned to crochet with knitting needles, and it's just kind of gone on from there.
0: Well, wow, that's amazing. So, what got you into scrapbooking? When did you start that endeavor?
1: Um, it started with a house fire, believe it or not. Um, I had just started scrapbooking with some friends, and as a matter of fact, the first scrapbook page I ever saw was of my wedding one of my friends scrapbooked the page of pictures from my wedding. And um, I my we had a rental house next door to us, and the house started on fire at about 2:30 in the morning. And so my tenant and I stood there at three o'clock in the morning watching little white papers come from the attic of the house where she had stored all her children's pictures, all the baby pictures. And you know how you keep all that stuff until You think they're old enough to be responsible with them? Yes. She never made it there. And all her pictures went up in smoke. That's tragic. It just destroyed me. So we took what we made from the house because we had done all the work on the house ourselves. And the insurance was really good to us. We took that money and we started a scrapbook store with it. I had only been scrapbooking about (laughs) three years at the time. And I learned a lot, but we decided that everybody needs to have a way to protect their pictures, their memories, um, all the good things in their lives, because it's all there with the pictures and stuff. So we created a model that said, don't just save the pictures, tell the stories. And we opened a store. and
0: that's I, kind of I love that. That is so touching. And that is a great reason for to scrapbook among, among other reasons to express your creativity. But Preserving those precious memories after a fire is a great reason. Now let's move on to how we met, because I think that's an interesting, I think what's very interesting is how could we have ever known in the 1990s that we'd be doing what we're both doing now, being professional crafters.
1: Right. So when I I graduated college in
0: 1991, I moved to Melbourne, Florida, and you can take it from there.
1: Um, I was I moved to Melbourne, Florida in '87 or '88, something like that. I was in college in my 30s, and this rowdy girl moved next door to me. Um, <laughs> I was living on campus and I paid to have a room to myself because I was already, according to their standards, an old lady. But um, and then Kim moved next door as the RA. Um, and I think, weren't you like the director of the RAs in the That's area? right.
0: I was the resident director, and that was at Florida Tech in Melbourne, Florida, Florida, Tech. Florida, where I attended graduate school. And when I met you as my next-door neighbor, I was just thrilled.
1: We had so much fun. Um, God, we we had people from England and um, all over the world coming to visit us and spending yes. time with us. And, of course, FIT or Florida Tech is an international college anyway, so that made it kind of fun but we did all kinds of mischief together. But I want everybody to know that all the men on campus were in love with Kim and she had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Stop, that's funny. Christine, you're a hoot. So that was
0: great. And we were pretty much uh, outnumbered, I think five to one. So that's a good ratio at the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's changed. I I think it has. So you were studying physics. I was studying marine biology. And our past took us in different directions, but we stayed in touch the entire time, even before social media. We've always been really techie. And I want to find out when I know that you later, as we talked about, we, we would always stay in touch.
1: When did you decide that you were going to start a craft retreat? Um, well, the craft retreat came as like an epiphany after the um, store failed because we opened the store in 2009. And in um, 2011, it was failing already. So it didn't even make it two years. And in May of 2011, we were on our anniversary weekend heading to, um, oh, I forget, some little town in Missouri. Um, And as we're driving in the dark, just driving down the road, I just kind of blurted out, I'm not done yet. (laughs) And he says, what? I said, I'm not done yet. I feel like there's more there. There's something else there. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, the store, I'm not done with it yet. We need to do something. And we started talking that weekend. And then we spent the entire weekend of our anniversary looking for places to create a a retreat center um, because we decided that with a retreat center, I could be open when I want to be open. I could be closed when I want to be closed. So if I needed to do something with family, I didn't have to worry about getting my store covered. And so we started in 2011 looking for some place to build a retreat center. We ended up moving into Illinois instead of staying in Missouri. And um, we found this piece of land in the middle of nowhere that when we came to the first time, I wouldn't even get out of the car. (laughs) Don's like, oh, but this is a great piece of property. And I wouldn't get out of the car. And so he got out with a machete because you couldn't walk through it. And he started cutting a path back into it just, just to see what it, how it laid and what it looked like. And it's kind of history from there. My guests at all the vending events I went to would get updates as to where we were at and what's going on. And for nine years, I kept saying, we're going to have a retreat center. We're going to have a retreat center. So it's been a, a long journey, a kind of fun one.
0: And I was following that journey. And I remember you breaking the land, literally breaking in the land. Yeah. It was just a big field, and then I remember you. They, you were in a trailer for a while. You were, you were building it piece by piece, brick by brick, and you had a shared vision, which is really great. And so I'm excited because I followed this journey, and then when it was finally completed, I mean, you you just started selling out. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you turned it into a successful business. The
1: what we. Well, the- Opened in August of 2019 is when we finally got it opened, and um, we didn't have all the furniture we wanted. We didn't have everything put together. We had the bedrooms done, and we had the comfort here. We had white tables here. Now we have good wooden craft tables that are so much better to work on, but um, we just started opening up, and in January, we had five crops. In February, we had four crops. In March, we had three crops, and we're so excited because we knew we were on our way. And then in April, they shut us down. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And so with COVID, it, we couldn't have people here. We, we just couldn't do anything. And um, by August, we're in trouble because this isn't our place of business. This is our home. And we live on one half and the retreat center is on one half. And if we didn't keep our mortgage paid, we were gonna lose our house. And we didn't want that. So we started joking around on Facebook about how we are no longer a retreat center. We're an emotional support center because we figured we were saving a lot of husbands and kids lives by giving their moms and wives a place to go to get away and relax for a little bit. I love
0: that because you got so creative and, and I want to talk about the different ways you monetize that business. But before we get into that, I just want to hold that thought. And can you explain what a crop
1: is for the listeners? Okay. Crop means? The, the term crop comes from cropping a picture where you're taking and making a picture be the size you want it to be. So you're getting rid of all the excess in the back and all that other stuff. Um, so that's where the word crop comes. So cropping is an event where women get together in scrapbook. Well, we do more than scrapbook here, but that's kind of where the term come from. Thank you. So
0: now you have this emotional support center and how did you advertise for that and what and what went on and how did you keep that? foot?
1: Well, all the advertising for that was kind of under a joking monotone because or a tone or whatever, because we just needed to get people back in. We only bring in 10 at a time. So we never really outdid all the rules that they were putting out there. But we were starting with small groups and. Um, getting them back, it actually took more to get back up and running again after COVID than it did getting started the first time. Um, that, that makes but, sense. Yeah. So, but it, it once it started, it started. And I'd spent eight years between closing my business and opening, um, between closing my store and opening the retreat center, I spent eight years going to retreats. I mean, it was just grueling work having to go to all those retreats and all the events just to see what was good and what wasn't good, you know? And so I took the best of everything. Like in our bedrooms, there's a, there's an outlet on either side of every single bed. So everybody has a place to plug in their cell phone, their um, iPads, their tablets, their CPAP machines, whatever they might need. So I made sure that I had the best of everything in here. And it's very rare that anybody comes and says, Hey, How come you didn't do or something like that? And I'm such a crafter that if they need something and I don't have it in my store, I usually have it in my own personal space. So we try to make it be, my husband and I are both have both been in customer service for a lot of years. And a key thing is that all you really have is customer service because there are retreat centers or there are outlets everywhere but if you don't have customer service, you don't want to go back to that place again anyways. So that's, that's kind of where the customer service end comes in for us, because we know that's what's going to sell the place.
0: So do you tend to have a lot of repeat customers?
1: Yes, ninety, uh, probably 90% of my customers are repeat customers. That's great. And is there usually
0: one person that organizes their friends to come? Or is it individuals that get together
1: in a group? How does that work? Um, usually it's one person that organizes for the whole group, but I do have two ladies that come once a month, all year long, just for Saturday. And so when they want to book, I let them book a year in advance. And then I create those as open crops and then anybody and everybody can come to those crops. And then we get a mixture of people and you meet new friends and do new things. So that's kind of how we roll. This sounds like so much fun. It is.
0: And you mentioned that you have things for sale. So you, you have a scrapbooking store right at your crafty crops. Right. And how does that work? If you need more
1: paper, you just buy it from you and what kind of. Well, you know, of- when our husbands things. go to the bar, they run a tab for their bar bill. So <laughs> we run a tab for the craft crafting supplies. I require a deposit up front. And then the, ba- the balance is paid on Sunday afternoon when everybody leaves and they pay for whatever papers or die cuts or glue or whatever that they use during the retreat.
0: That's great. Now I remember crafting with you for the weekend, and you unloaded what five luggage carts. I'm probably not exaggerating. You probably <laughs> into not into <laughs> our hotel room, into our hotel room, where you had every color of paper, just in case, and every every kind of embellishment, and in drawers and things. And what you were doing at the time, and I'd like to talk about that for a moment, was you were using your silhouette which is, it's an electronic die cutting machine. And I was using my brother's scan and cut, of course. And you were you were cutting out things that you were making for scrapbooking packages. Right. Because you're a vendor at many events. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're still doing that, but can you address what you were doing and why you had every color of paper and what kind of
1: things you were selling? Okay. I still have every color of paper. I carry the whole line of American Crafts paper. American Crafts is consistently easy to to cut on the machines, that's why I carry American Crafts. They're a solid core paper, so there's no white core in there, no layering, no fraying and stuff. Um, it cuts really well, so that's why I carry American Crafts, and I try to carry all of their colors. And um, so I used to carry them with me anytime I went to scrapbook because I'm used to having them right behind me, and it's hard to do to not have them. But um, I would also, when I would go to an event, most of them were um, charity events for American Cancer Society or the Kidney Foundation or something else. So I always gave away a page kit for everybody that came to that event. And so I would make up die cuts that what I would do is put together a page kit. And then I would make all these die cuts that could be sold to go with page kit to help me recoup the money I would have lost by giving away a page kit you. Gotcha. So it, it just was a, a way to ha- continue, continue to bring money in.
0: A true labor of love.
1: Yes. I
0: remember you were cutting out little pieces of food items that were... It was for the backpack
1: crop that I was working. I had backpacks. And the group I did it for is um, a group that organizes a backpack full of food for the kids to take home on the weekends. From their schools and the organization I believe they're still doing it and they are now got three or four schools they're doing it for and they just fill a backpack full of food for the kids to take home so they can eat on the weekends that's that's great so I like that you were helping
0: with the events and donating your time and also setting up shops so that you could recoup some of your costs mm-hmm. so when you went to a lot of these retreats as a vendor or a participant and from your experience with people coming to your crafty crops, what are some of the ways you can build community among the crafters?
1: Oh gosh. Don't know each other. Um, well, to help build community among the crafters, I have these open crops so that they can get together and meet new people. I do still donate to, um, I I donate free weekends to a lot of different places around the Shriners have, a charity crop every year here in town and I donate two weekends to them so two people win a free weekend to here and so at the same time as I am building my business I'm also providing other people a way to get together with their friends Um, I do have a New Year's Eve crop every year and it goes for three or four days depending on how New Year's Eve falls and it's a totally open crop nobody knows everybody and they just all come. And by the time you spend three or four days with somebody, you know them. I have um, two ladies that come for a couple of days in the week during the middle of the week because she works retail, so she can never get a weekend off. And another lady just happened to see that I had an open crop that weekend. So she came and spent some time. Well, now all of a sudden she's coming all the time with them. And it's just, you know, you just start watching the relationships build. And you know, they don't always get along, but most of the time, most of the girls get along really well. And you start finding them joining other people in events and stuff. It's just kind of neat. That's Wonderful. Way. And
0: if I know you, you don't tolerate drama.
1: I, I not very well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, everybody in your presence is is happy and getting along. So that that brings me to the question about why, if you have a big craft room, would you end up going to one of those places like a, a craft retreat and a crop
1: um I actually don't go to any retreats anymore I donate stuff for the event but I don't actually go anymore but I do go to a friend's house my friend has her husband built for her a house in the backyard not a she-shed but he built a house in the backyard for a one-bedroom house that's great and so I go there to get away and do my own scrapbooking because if I'm here I feel like I should be working. Like right now, I should, (laughs) I have die cuts that need to be made. (laughs) You are
0: working, but I'm glad you don't have the machine going on in the background, but (laughs) wouldn't be surprised.
1: Right. Sometimes
0: when I'm on a Zoom call and I'm just sitting there scoring and because it doesn't make any noise, (laughs) scoring and folding, but not, not folding with a bone folder, just scoring and folding with my hands. So I can keep busy during a Zoom call because I know I'm always feeling that too, because right now I'm getting ready for a craft fair this weekend. So very busy as well. Do you still go to craft fairs?
1: I have never gone to a craft fair. No, I did one, one, but I did it before I started doing a lot of die cuts. So all I really had was scrapbook supplies to sell and it didn't go over well. And then I've never done a craft fair since. So, but I I go to them once in a great while, but not very often because I look at something and I go, Oh, I can make that, <laughs> which is not the point of it. <laughs> right.
0: I uh, The point of going to your, your craft event or your crops and your craft fairs, for me, it's like a social thing. So even though I have a big craft room, I like to go out and craft with other people. I go to retreats myself with my team members and other demonstrators, and I go to events. I love the social aspect of crafting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: although I get way more done when I'm by myself. I just like the social aspect.
1: Yeah. My biggest problem is my events are on the weekends and most scrapbook events are on the weekends. So I'm always booked. I do have one booked for July though. I've got a one day event booked for July with some of my good customers. I'm going to go up there and spend the day and enjoy, do some of my own crafting.
0: Well, good for you. Sometimes when you bring things, it's like we forget I'm missing this one thing that I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's good. I like I don't carry as much as you with me when I go away for the weekend crafting. Nobody and does. That was so much fun catching up and crafting. And I was amazed at your skill with the silhouette. You were using the software and you were, you were also making your own designs. So yes. can you tell the listeners who might not be familiar with that tool, what it can do, what that machine can do?
1: Um, The Silhouette has a really powerful software, I've owned other machines, but I still keep coming back to my Silhouette software, I can manipulate anything, Um, everything comes out if you if you know what you're doing you can get it to where you've got all your dot points on there, and then you can move any dot point any way you want, Um, so I even change my letters around sometimes, we can separate out all the designs and make it be individual pieces. Um, so anything I download from the silhouette store, I automatically redesign it to fit my method of, of, um, making designs and stuff. Cause I don't like to have an eye that sits on top that can be bumped and knocked off. So I build it in layers where the eye is in the bottom layer and everything else just has a progressively larger hole for the eye to show through. I I like that. That's that's a good point. Yeah. So I redesign everything or I'll look look through and I'll say, oh, that's just words. I can make that. And then I'll create a title that says something that said in the store, but I create it myself because the ones that I create myself are a whole lot, are a whole lot more fun. I think that's more fun for me to sell them, but I do pay for everything as commercial. Um, Silhouette store has a way of doing a subscription where for 20 bucks, you get $150 worth of items out of the store. And so I've been doing it for so long and they give us a discount. I only pay $10 for $150 worth of items. It gets downloaded right onto my computer. So it's not anywhere else. I don't have to be attached to the internet to be able to use it or anything. And then I can open it up and manipulate it any way I want to manipulate it and create whatever, whatever I want to create with it. And it's all Windows based, so if you've been using Word and Excel and PowerPoint for years, you'll be able to sit down with the program and just intuitively start using it.
0: That's great. Yeah, I like I like that. And that's it. some are familiar maybe with Cricut Design Space or Canvas Workspace for the Brother Scan and Cut. So each each type of electronic die cutting machine has proprietary software, and that's what you're referring to. Right. And when you're manipulating them you're referring to the svg files which my listeners who love the scan and cut are familiar with because we create those and use those and send those right. to our machine for cutting so that is wonderful i love to hear that so now let's take let's take a little turn back to your vision because i know a lot of this is this is a podcast about growing your crafty business and a lot of crafters have a vision for what they want in the future and you held true to your vision, which makes me so proud yes. of you as a friend, because you had so many setbacks during that whole process, both personally and professionally. And I want I want you to like share how you kept, held on to that vision and what it felt like when you were at the finish line, which I know it's still a journey, but when it finally came true.
1: Um, when our, like I said, when our store failed, we decided that we would go ahead and do a retreat center. And Don changed jobs. So he moved over to St. Louis. He got a job making really good money. So I didn't have to work if I didn't want to, but we were saving money to build the house. And um, so, I, and I was putting every spare dime we had into it. It was kind of funny because he'd make some overtime and I'd go, ha ha, that's mine. And I'd throw it in, this, in the account. Um, and the day before we were supposed to meet with our contractor about signing a contract to build the house, Don got diagnosed with cancer, and so that really kind of hit us hard, but we sat and talked about it, and we thought, you know, do we back up and just build a small house that we can afford to pay for with our social security or whatever, or do we continue with our plan, and originally our plan was going to be this big two-wing house with scrapbooking on one side and home on the other side and the garage and then a workspace in the middle with the freezer and washer and dryer and all that kind of between behind the garage. And we decided that the one thing we had to do was we couldn't save any more money because he's now out of work for a while. Um, but we decided to go ahead and put it all under one roof and do the deal anyway. So we did a redesign. We talked to our contractor and he did a really good job of keeping us on budget and the bank, um, said, we'll still do this, but you cannot go a penny over the 319 that they gave us or 312 or whatever it was. And um, so we kind of all worked together. Don was getting sicker and sicker with his chemotherapy and stuff. And I'm still trying to work and keep money, keep food on the table. That's the time that we moved into the trailer here on the property. Um, we had everything except flushing toilets. We had a shower, of uh, washer and dryer and all that um, because we jimmy rigged our water line to come into the back of the shop building um, we've done a lot to get to this point so when we actually had our open house on June 1 just to give everybody an idea of what we had here um, it was a really exciting time for us um, I even I spent quite a few days in tears not really because it was a realization it was something I'd been Working for And, you know, usually when you start talking about something, you say, no, I can't talk about this because it won't come true. But I had to keep talking about it because I had to let people know this was going to come. This is going to come. This is going to come. And now I'm talking about, okay my husband has cancer, but this is still going to come. And we've been through a lot. And now all my regular customers know the struggles that Don deals with every day. As a matter of fact, this year he had some some bad chemotherapy that I, I thought was going to take him from me. And he was in such bad shape that one of my ladies was here and she was in tears for me and praying. And she came was scheduled to come again in five or six weeks. And when she came, he was out mowing the lawn and she walked in and she hugged me and she said, is that Don out on the lawnmower? I said, yes, that's Don. And all she could do was you know, praise the Lord because she thought he'd be dead by the time she came back again and he just keeps bouncing back and um after that he built a new section in the shop we added on to our kitchenette and the in the workspace he just keeps coming back and doing more stuff for us here on this side he's not actively involved but he does know all the girls by face and he's always building something new for them i mean he built all my tables he built all my nightstands in the bedrooms He built a lot of my displays um, and he's done all of that while dealing with cancer because he doesn't like to sit still and he's not been able to work. So he does this for me instead. And so it's been a real long journey and he's still going strong, Um, bad days, good days, but we're still enjoying life and we're living life to the fullest. So that's kind of your
0: your faith has so much to do with that. Mm -hmm. And I love that you also have a handy husband. And I love that no matter what was going to happen, he wanted you to fulfill this dream of yours and he helped make it happen as well. Yes, That makes me so proud because I was there from the beginning when you said it and I was there when you kept on saying it. And every time I talked to you, you were one step further toward it. So that brings me to, it's aside from all the setbacks and keep going and having faith, what inspired actions did you need to take to make sure that that was
1: going to happen? Basically, we just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, There was no giving up. There was, if he, he does most of the cooking now. I take care of the business, he takes care of the house. So if he's having bad days, I pitch in and I cook. Um, If when I'm done with a crop, he comes in and he picks up the garbage and he sweeps for me. That's kind of his charts, what he does every week. So we just kind of, just keep going forward because it's what it takes. I'm an old lady and I'm not real healthy. I mean, I'm not bad, but um, I get tired easily. And Mondays are a horrible day with all the laundry I have to do. And, you know, I have 17 loads of laundry to do on Monday, most Mondays. And it's all the bedding and stuff. Um, but I don't know, I've don't I've learned to ask for help. Um, I do have cleaning crew that comes in every other week and does a thorough clean on this side. I can't afford for them to clean my other side, but I pay for them to come clean this side of the house so that it's always um, hotel room clean for expensive hotel room clean for everybody that comes in here. Good for you.
0: That's great. I've also learned to ask for help with certain (coughs) things as well. It's it's it takes we have to swallow our pride and let others help us because we always think, oh, maybe we can do it better. No, but they can do it better if you let them. And you, and you ask for help, so that's great. Now I wanted to ask
1: how many people can, does your retreat center hold? I can sit 10 people at nice wood crafting tables. I can put two more in, I've got, actually I've got 10 white tables that I can bring in and put anywhere. But I have 10 beds and then one sofa sleeper so I can sleep 11 people. So
0: 11 comfortably, That's that's mm-hmm. great. And you mentioned that you when I was first talking to you, that you are pretty booked up for this next year.
1: Yes, I am. It's kind of exciting. I am. um, I've got 35 weekends booked. Um, Twelve of them are open crops already, but one of them is already full. So I have 11 open crops available and then I have about 15 weekends left for the year to be able to book up. So it's kind of exciting for us to know that it's going to it's it's happening.
0: Well, in the show notes, we will be putting your website where they can learn more about crafty crops and sign up for a retreat, which will be wonderful. And that that way you will be fully booked, hopefully. That would be nice. Those living out in that area, but they don't even have to live near you. They can travel. No, as a matter of
1: fact, in, um, in January, I have one group coming that comes from six different states, one from as far away as Colorado. So it's kind of neat. I have people coming from Kentucky all the time. I have one lady that comes from Tennessee two or three times a year. Um, I have people that come from Ohio. Um, so it's kind of it, it's kind of neat the way they come from all over the place.
0: Yeah, you you always are surrounded by friends and family. That's great. Mm-hmm. You you never never get lonely at your crafty crops. Never That's for sure. I love that. Now, I asked my former interviewees, I guess we're going to call them guests, my former guest on the podcast to come up with questions for future guests. And one of them, one of them asked, if you could go back 10 years and give advice to your former self, what would that be? <laughs> for and me, it be more that's than 10 years, if you want. Huh? It can be more than 10 years, just going back to your former
1: self. If about 10 years would work for me, it would be to get my husband's ass, oh, excuse me, get my husband's button to the doctor. <laughs> because we probably could have caught the cancer a lot sooner if he would have paid attention to what was going on. So that would have been what I would change. It wow. would have been the only thing I'd want to change. That's
0: intense. That's yeah. so important for early detection. Yes. Thank you. And another one asked me to ask you what made you want to start this retreat. But of course, we
1: already know, because you mentioned that earlier. Well, the line I like to tell people is we didn't plan well for retirement. So we had to make a plan for retirement. (laughs) So this is my retirement. This is this will be here till till I'm no longer here myself. Good. That's and beyond.
0: Yeah. And beyond, I'm sure because you're you're asking for help. So maybe you're going to train up some assistants that can keep it running even if you take a vacation yeah or go anywhere then you're not they're not that the business isn't just dependent on you I know personally my business is dependent on me and I I would love to be able to change some of that
1: yeah we yeah. are getting ready to build another bedroom on a back corner of the house we well, not getting ready we're dreaming about that right now that's our next dream to kind of have a place for a caretaker to be so that if we're not here or if um I've got to be out of town for the weekend or something, then somebody can be here to step in. So that's kind of a dream for future for us. We'll see
0: that that's going to be another dream that you turn into reality.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And, and the, and the interesting thing is when we were in college, we weren't even talking about things like manifesting and, and turning our dreams into reality. We just lived each day for, we just lived in the moment and had a lot of fun and now it just seems like there's so many principles that we were practicing, but we weren't even knowing that that's what we were doing. We we had so many mindset tricks and tips that we were using mm-hmm. to make things happen in our lives and like how you met your husband and different things. And then we just ended up it, And now we're now we're like living proof of making dreams a reality. So that's really that makes me yeah. so happy that I know like you to the say to
1: and watched your progression Right. With my minor being aerospace engineering, even though I never finished that, um, people come in here and they tell me, well, I have a class I like to teach. Um, I haven't taught it in a while, but I like to teach it. And about halfway through the class, I like to say something like, just so you know, you're doing algebra right now. And it just blows their mind that they're using algebra and math in scrapbooking. But it ties it together for me. I In this business, I'm using everything I've ever used in any job I've ever had. Um, I am teaching, which is what my degree ended up being in. Um, I am thinking about safety all the time, which I worked in for a long time in the trucking industry and previously. And it's just kind of amazing how this, my whole life has been preparing for this moment now. And I'm not wasting anything I've done in my entire life. Um, It's kind of cool. I mean, do you remember the retreat we went on in college where Mike kept ignoring me? He was talking about networking and he kept ignoring me and he kept ignoring me. And finally, he says, OK, now I'll I'll talk to Christine, because if you want to know how to build a network, follow Christine around, because right. I used to go in to the get my money of financial aid. And then I walk through the rest of the building and say hi to everybody, you knew everybody on the entire oh. campus. I knew everybody.
0: And you introduced me to a lot of people. So you were, you're excellent at networking. And so that does help you in your business. And I love that you brought up that. In fact, I'd like to keep on discussing that concept that everything that you've ever learned from any job that you've ever had is helping you run your crafty business right now. I think people disregard their past experience and, and how valuable that is to what they're doing right now. And yes, they think yes. that they compartmentalize and think it was something separate from their previous life, but no, it was all meant to be in the order it has happened
1: in the way it happened for this moment to be happening right now. Yes, it really has. Um, it, it's amazing. You start ignoring your past life and you're losing a whole big chunk of who you are. And maybe that chunk is the chunk you need to connect with this person that you really need to connect with. But you left that chunk behind so you don't have the tools you need anymore. But there's so much that you learn in your life that if you just keep building on it, instead of saying, OK, I'm done with that, let me go on to this, you just build on what you know, and you're going to go so much farther. It's it's an amazing journey. That's great.
0: And you've you've stayed in certain careers and then you've moved on to something else. And each time it was a stepping stone to the next adventure. Yeah. It was never wasted time and, right. and we build we build our network as we go, we meet new people and we learn new skills. Yeah and what I think has helped you also is probably your your fearless use of technology as all along the way because you've never been scared to embrace all of the new technologies that have come along ever since the advent of our personal <laughs> computers that yeah. you had set up in your room one of the first models, yeah. personal okay.
1: computers. I have always had a computer on my And as a matter of fact, now I have three, plus my phone. (laughs) Right. And um, I, you've got to be, I'm not as good at it anymore as I used to be. My my brain doesn't work as well as it used to work. Um, But, and at this point, I don't do a lot of advertising anymore because of my customer service. I can depend on word of mouth more than anything. I'm always having people call me and say, hey, I'm at this event and -and so-and-so just told me about you and I looked you up online and it looks great and I want to come by and see it while I'm in town. And and that's happening all the time. And it's all because of the customer service I give. Um, If I hear somebody say, the other day somebody was wanting to go to the store and I said, what do you need at the store? And she goes, well, I need a shirt and she needs tape. And because she was dressed too warmly. And I said, well, shoot, I can loan you a shirt and I've got tape. So let's get this done, you know, and it, it's, just, you. it's just the way you do it, you know. That That is wonderful. Now, I wanted
0: to ask you about the day of the, the day in the life of Christine when it's not a crop
1: day. <laughs> um, we'll take Monday. I start my guests strip the beds. And I start on Monday doing laundry and I am doing laundry all day Monday and usually on into Tuesday. And as a matter of fact, I'm just finishing up today because I wasn't feeling well on Monday. But um, it's I pretty much I get up and I get my laundry started and I sit down at my computer. I balance my books, my all my checkbooks, my credit cards, make sure everything is in balance and there is nothing out there that I don't know about so that I don't get a surprise later on. Um, and then I start playing with die cuts or playing with um, just an item I'm working on. I'm doing some things for my New Year's Eve crop. Um, and then I now make myself shut down about eight or nine o'clock every night because I used to work till midnight, one o'clock every night. I get up and start working as soon as I wake up and I would work until eight or nine o'clock or until midnight or so. Until midnight. I know now, the because yeah, we love now, what we do. Yeah. yeah. And now I... I stop at eight or nine o'clock and I sit down and and so now I'm diamond dotting every night (laughs) because I don't have any artwork in the house or on the craft side of the house. So it's slowly being filled up with diamond dots and my customers are having so much fun with it. I've got frogs in one bathroom. I've got a lady sitting in the toilet on another bathroom and you know, and just I'm having fun with decorating the house finally. Well, good. I'm
0: glad that you're doing that. You're going in and relaxing and taking some time for yourself because that's that's important to keep us going it is so what's next for you and your business what kind of collaborations or events and things do you have set up that are different from what you're already doing now
1: even if it's in the vision stage um probably the only real thing i have coming is that i'd like to find a way because i only have two bedrooms on my side of the house and we've turned one of those into our sitting room because we turned our living room into my office Um, so I have no place to put somebody to let somebody sleep on my side of the house. So we're looking at building that bedroom off the corner of the the back corner of the house to give them a way into the house through the back door, um, a hallway, whatever back there, that's kind of where I want to go next so that I've got a little more freedom because if I do get 15 more crops, then I'm tied to here every weekend next year. And with Don, being sick we like to take off and go um or we don't it's not that we like to take it but we want to start doing a few things that we want to do everybody has dreams for when they become retired yes and um we want to start realizing some of those dreams we want to take a trip down the mississippi river and things like that but so probably a place to to house something if i'd have been younger i might have started franchising the idea Um, The design of the house works so wonderfully. I have a French door between my side of the house and the craft side. Um, My dog is the Goodwill Ambassador. He loves everybody and he thinks everybody's here to play and and take care of him. Um, So I think it's a good thing. And I think that franchising this would have worked really well because there's not enough retreat centers out there. And most of them don't have product in them. Um, So if somebody forgot something, they either have to run to the store or run home. And um, here they've got, I've got glues, I've got adhesives, I've got paper galore, you know, I've got all kinds of stuff here, Um, all the necessity scissors, right, and all that stuff. So I think it's a good model. But I, I'm 65. And I don't have the energy or the will to go any farther with it, but it would have been a great thing to do if I never didn't. say
0: never, because you might find the right partner. Maybe your partner is listening that wants to help you franchise. You never know. So, yeah, that's true. That's that true. that's a good point. See, with my company where I'm a direct salesperson, which which you know is stamping up, we are not able to sell paper, cash and carry, but we do. We are allowed to sell adhesives, and paper pumpkin kits or or any kind of kits really. That we could have on hand as a cash and carry but we we can't mm-hmm. just carry our regular product it's something people have to purchase directly but that's so you're with the kind of products you carry they can they could be stocked in an actual store yes. in the house which is amazing yes. and that would make a perfect that would be the model behind aside yeah. from the residential model but the store would be mm-hmm. a good model to franchise so Like both, both aspects of your business would be part of the model. I like the business model. Yeah, my head's spinning with that idea. I think that's a great idea because right now when I'm I'm listening to people who are organizing events and we have a group called Grow Your Crafty Business and one of the ladies in there used to organize huge events before the big C happened and now the hotels are so expensive that she can't do it anymore. Right. The cost of the
1: ballrooms. Yeah, that's been a big impediment. The prices have gone off so bad. And that's one of the things that's nice here is that um, my product is actually cheaper here than it is in the stores simply because I don't make my money by selling a 50 cent sheet of paper anymore. I make my money by having you here. And so that means I'm going to get my income and then my, I sell American Crafts paper still for 50 cents a sheet. Um, it's gone up, and a lot of places are selling it for 69 or 75 or whatever. But I don't need more than 50 cents. I still make a little bit of money on each sheet. Um, but I've made my money already just by virtue of the fact that you're here. So it really has made a difference in how things work for me. Right. And
0: I like, I like that you don't have the, the overhead that someone else has right that's why you can also get that's just an extra service I feel like it's an extra service you're providing your customers
1: right that's how I look at it was it's an extra service
0: but if you do raise your prices they would be willing to pay more just saying because that does seem very cheap
1: well that's all I need is 50 cents I still make I still make I still make more money on my card stock than you do yours (laughs) Well, girl,
0: we're not denying that, and I'm sure you do because you buy, you have a, you buy in bulk. I'm sure, <laughs> I, and mine is directly. And now, when things are on sale, right now we have a sale, so I don't make as much commission. But it is what it is. It's actually one of the only one of my many sources of income. Luckily right. for me, because if yeah. I would just rely on paper, then no, we yeah, would, we wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be able to afford this microphone. Yes, <laughs> oh, we we laugh. All right, so let me think of anything else. I want it, I want customers, I want listeners, I should say, to know how to find you, so they can keep keep in touch. So you're Christine Ray Bishop, and your website is craftycrops.com. Okay, that's that's easy enough, and you're also on Facebook.
1: Yes, and you can find me on Facebook as Crafty Crops or you can find them. me as christine ray bishop i i if i if somebody friends me and i don't know who they are i'll look at their profile and see what they're doing and what's going on and then i accept them on my business page i accept pretty much anybody um that's great that's an, great. an obvious weirdo but you know
0: well you can always weed out the weirdos later
1: yes yes
0: yeah, yeah. i had somebody i this is just something that happened to me just yesterday I was trying to do an additional craft fair and somebody reached out to me and said, oh, I see you're interested in vendor spots. Please PayPal me the money. And I was like, this doesn't sound right because a church usually wants a check, right? Yep. So I, I asked, I went to my meeting last night and with a, with a different church, with my church. And the lady said, no, they've been full since October. Like that person was scamming you. I said, well, I didn't send them any PayPal money. It just sounded like, it was a scam. So right. there are people on, and this was a public page saying, Hey, I see you're interested in being a vendor. And they go to your message. They go to your message area and they ask you to give them PayPal. Yep. Yeah. So
1: I, I reported them to Facebook. For That's all- one of the things I, to try and avoid stuff like that. Before you book an event with me, you still have to talk to me. And then the only way to pay a deposit is either to send me a check or to go to my website and pay a deposit through my website. So there won't be anybody calling and saying, you know, Hey, I see you did this. Um, Please PayPal me this money, unless it's me specifically, but you'll know I'm going to do it if I'm going to do it. So.
0: Right. Good for you. Well, I accept PayPal and my customers do pay for their kits that way, but that's a relationship we have going on. And this person didn't even know me and they're like, Oh, send it friends and family option. And I said, this is another red flag. There were just red flags all over the place. Right. But the fact that they reached out to me in the, messenger area was yeah
1: yeah there's too much of that going on really
0: so is there anything else that you didn't get to say that i didn't get to ask you that you'd like to share before i summarize what we talked about today
1: i don't think so i I think we did good
0: okay so Um, i would like you to come up with if you don't mind a question for a future interview
1: guest that i have on my show and you could do it now or later I I have it here. I have it ready. And it's one that I ask. Whenever I have an open crop, I make everybody introduce themselves. And I do that by saying, what's your favorite craft and how long have you been doing it? And then in our game, the next person has to say who they are and what how how long they've been crafting and all that. And the person before them. And then number three has to do all three of them. And that way we get to know. So I want to ask, what's your favorite craft and how long have you been doing it?
0: Okay. Thank you. Well, you know, mine is paper crafting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All
0: right. That's good. I will, I will be asking that to my next guest. So today we talked with Christine Ray Bishop and we covered what it's like to have a vision and to make it come to fruition through setbacks, trials, and tribulations, always holding true to that vision and bringing your partner into the vision so that they can help you make it happen. Then we talked about different aspects of running a crafty crop business, such as customer service, having a scrapbooking store, what it's like to have rooms that are accommodating to your guests, such as extra outlets and just different making making it comfortable for your guest and bringing them all together and how they go about booking that event. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from our conversation today was that everything you have ever learned every job that you've ever had has led you to this point and has helped you give you the experience yeah. to do what you're doing now. So yeah. I hope that you will never think of any of your past experiences as a waste of time. They all are helping you in in whatever you're doing right now in your business or your hobby. I really appreciate you coming on today and speaking with the listeners of Hello Crafty Friends. And you, we can follow Christine On Hello Crafty, or not Hello Crafty Crops, on craftycrops.com. And it'll be in the show notes the different ways to contact you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Hello Crafty Friends. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback helps us inspire more crafty entrepreneurs just like you. Stay connected with our community and shape the direction of our podcast. Visit HelloCraftyFriends.com to join the Grow Your Crafty Business membership group. Until next time, keep crafting, keep thriving, and keep growing. Goodbye, Crafty Friends!